Pagans podcast. This is your Jarl Stein Fox, and I'm here today with Joshua. And um, you've gone some down some major rabbit holes, and you dug up a whole lot of things. Um, so tell us what's it's what's going to be about, bro. All right. Well. It all started out with me kind of being curious about the Norse gods and where their origin was. And I kind of found uh, the creation theory, right? Well, all the creation theories have one thing in common. All of the creation theories later on have a flood in them. Yeah. Now, most of the gods in like Egypt, Greece, Rome, um, the Viracocha, you can trace them back to the flood. Now, every civilization in the world obviously experienced a global flood if a global flood happened, right? Now, we know the Younger Dryas flood happened. We don't know exactly what caused it. There's debate whether it was just a lot of melting mixed with a comet, or if it was a couple comet fragments, or just an impact itself. We do know that a few volcanoes erupted. We do know that the sea level came up well over 300 feet and in a shorter span yes and it happened in a shorter span than any of our other global floods it was still over the time frame of a couple of years and i mean a handful like this mm -hmm. this flood was over probably about a 10-year span from what science tells but it still would decimate every population because where do most people populate near the near the coastlines you know yeah. most people go for areas where they can reach water you know water being the biggest human resource if you're not getting it from a little stream up in the mountains you're getting it from a river on its way to the ocean or near the ocean yeah. a lot of civilizations because of trading are on port cities now a flood happens that let's say it even takes 10 years all the people will have a chance to evacuate or many of them will but the cities, the farmland, all of that is gone. So now you wind up with people in the most desperate of situations, hungry. Yeah. Way too many people, not enough food. So of course you have bottleneckings in the human, uh, in human history, we have a couple periods that I'm sure no parts of humanity are proud of. Um, but you know, we made it here, but we look to our gods all the time and a lot of people a lot of people have faith nowadays mm -hmm. but in their times their faith was something different they had ways to speak to the gods direct links through ceremony combinations of sound chanting you know supposed to open doorways um the equinoxes were very important in many 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 civilizations yeah so what I was looking for in this whole search was the commonalities, all right? Now, the flood, I mean, Zo Plato. Plato was a very reputable person, all right? Plato did a lot of things that we still look today at as facts, Yeah. right? The, the earth is round, the stars rotate around, you know, the planets rotate around the sun. These are all Plato models from the beginning. He's a very wise person. He traveled the world. He didn't just go from, you know, his hometown to the next city over to go to the library. <laughs> I mean, this guy traveled. 
when he wanted to find things out, he traveled. He was one of the few people that laid his eyes on the Alexandria Library, right? Oh, I'm now, jealous. Yes. <laughs> now, the library in Alexandria it, at that time was literally known to contain every bit of knowledge in the world. It was the modern day World Wide Web just in paperback form, right? Scrolls, tablets, many different, you know, I mean, it's, it's where we went for our information. Yeah. Now, they compiled, the Alexandria Library had compilations of information from all over the world. They didn't just have the, you know, Egypt's history. They had the history of Greece, the history of Rome, the history of every area, Persia, you know, they, they kept very detailed records on genealogies of kings and things like that. And we, we lost a lot when the libraries like that got sacked and looted and more caches of information were destroyed throughout the Crusades. So now what we're looking at is snippets, right? Well, Plato came across some information and it puzzled him because it basically ran the same track that I wound, wound up falling down. <laughs> the old gods came here when floods happened in each area and they started repopulating. Now in Plato's version of the story, it was Zeus that sank Atlantis because they were warring with their human neighbors and the Atlanteans were demigods. They were hybrids. So the Atlanteans had an unfair advantage and Zeus was a, a, a god for the people. So he defended us against an attack by these Atlanteans. Mm -hmm. Now the Atlanteans apparently um, learned from their ways when their cities were decimated, but <laughs> You'd hope so. They spread, they spread out and wound up in areas um, in South America. Um, if you've ever heard of uh, Tiwanaku, Tiwanaku is an old civilization on Lake Titicaca in South America. It's got some of the oldest archaeology that we found in the area, and specific references to gods called the Viracochas. Now, the odd thing about these gods is they came on boats when their city was sunk by an angry god, and they were really, really tall Caucasian people with beards. Now, people in South America, no face hair. They found this to be bizarre. You know, yeah. their people are an average of five feet tall. Now, they kept records in they said that these people were two of their people high. Even at a person at 5'3", 10 foot is really effing tall. We're not talking about just tall Norwegians, right? We're not talking about tall Icelanders. We're talking no. about giants, right? Now, the Viracocha, Viracocha was the god himself. He had a group of gods that are often referred to as the Viracochas. There were demigods that came with him, right? Mm -hmm. They were not as large as Viracocha, they were also a type of demigod. They were his descendants. Now, they brought to those people all of the same things. They brought them farming, taught them how to read the seasonal calendars, how to chart them by the stars, how to navigate, how to uh, build ships out of reeds. Now, when you look at the Egyptian ships that are built out of reeds and then the South American ships that are built out of reeds, they look an awful lot like long ships, but smaller and built out of reeds. 
Mm. Same shape, the with the slanted and curved prow that comes up. The wide belly, almost like a long canoe, with oh, the right, two posts right. that yeah. the front and the rear. Now they were making rigged boats that looked almost exactly the same. Now the Vera coaches brought them this knowledge, right? Now at the same time, in another place in South America, you have another group of people that are telling the same story, but their god is called Quetzalcoatl, right? Yeah. Very hard to pronounce name, but I I practiced for this podcast. <laughs> so, Thank you, brother. Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> Quetzalcoatl had the same thing in common with uh, the uh, Vera coaches. He was a very tall, light-skinned, bearded giant. In South America, yeah. Yes. Now, the Vera coaches are more up towards the Yucatan Peninsula area. All right? Okay. Now, the Yucatan Peninsula is the little the boot on the tip of Mexico. Yeah. And it kind of sticks out yeah. below Florida in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, if you drop our sea level about 300 feet, you wind up looking at North America and you have a detailed description of the map of Atlantis, described it as an island. Mm -hmm. Around that island was completely water, surrounded by a ring of land. Outside that land was another body of water that was connected to a great ocean and then another series of land that was islands. Now raise the sea level 300 feet, you're not gonna see any of this stuff. Drop no. it 300 feet, the Gulf of Mexico becomes a chain of islands. You have one hmm. big island in the middle of it, right? Drop it 400 feet, that island gets pretty damn big. Now you have Florida on the outside ridge of that. If you drop the ocean level 400 feet, you also have something big that happens. The Bahamas, Bermuda, and Cuba all become one giant piece of land. So now you have two rings of land. You have oh. Florida and the Bahama Islands, then the Gulf of Mexico, and a large island chain in the middle of it, almost like a bullseye. On the other side of it, if you're heading west from the Gulf of Mexico, you have Mexico itself. There was a giant river that flowed down from the Rio Grande at one point, and they know the path of the river from the geological satellite data. But then you have the Baja Peninsula on the other side of Mexico that is, you have another little bay there and another piece of land. So you have a target, you know, you have the yeah. island in the middle, water, more land, more water, more land. That's kind of how Atlantis was described. Now, you look back at a lot of the different descriptions of Atlantis and the flora and fauna are very similar to North and Central America. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying there's a lot of commonalities, like pictures of tapers were drawn. Where do you find tapers? South America. I'm, I'm just saying there's a lot that points to Atlantis actually being more in the Gulf of Mexico than in the Atlantic Ocean, right? Yeah, which, so, would, which would make more sense too, you know, closer connected to um, a body of lands, because uh, in the middle of the ocean, it's going to get flooded so many times it's it's way too too dangerous right high now, seas rough seas you have another thing if you look over in the pacific ocean and this is the part that blew my mind because i started this was just another thing altogether but then i ran into another a bunch of coincidences with the pacific islanders and the same set of similar stories until i realized that basically 
all of the people that taught all of the descendants in all of the areas of Earth all came from a flood that they mm. ran from. There were a few survivors, and they taught the primitive people that were left coming out of the caves after the flood how to function. So this flood lasted for quite a while, too. Uh, now, the sea level actually came up a little more than 400 feet, but it did recede a little while, okay. a little bit. Now, it, it took a little while for that to happen over a period of about two to three decades with some of the recession, but it, it went back down 50, 60 feet or so. So now you have a little bit more of the coastline preserved, but all the ancient cities are under sand yeah. because the, you know, the, the ocean water carried silt over them. Coral reefs started to grow throughout that time. So now they're just waste, right? Yeah. But you look in the Pacific Ocean and you find there is an island called Bora Bora, right? Now go to look at Google Maps and look at Bora Bora and back up a little. And you start to see in the ocean floor around it what looked like a perfect series of roads stretching out from Bora Bora in the direction of all of the other major chain of islands in the Pacific, from Java to Fiji to Hawaii. It's hmm. kind of insane. Clear over to Easter Island. Now, I started looking into them and those cultures also have the same similarities. Blood happens, blase, blase, same story. Somebody comes, teaches them to re-civilize themselves. But you wind up with this oddity in India. In India, you actually have buildings inland that mm -hmm. predate the Mesopotamian cultures, cities, technologies, all of it. Now, we are told that Mesopotamia, that that's where the first civilizations, you know, sprung if, up. If you're going on the Smithsonian's planted theory that Christianity is the only way and anything anti-Christian, now I have no problem with Christianity myself, <laughs> you know, especially the way that it's practiced peacefully nowadays. But um, there was uh, once upon a time, it wasn't such a peaceful religion. You know, the religion of peace, love, sharing and caring was loot, looting, sacking, burning, and destroying cultures all over the place. Oh, you don't but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Needless to say, um, India actually has cities that we can look at that are on the ground, inland, that are clearly over 10,000 years old. Now, even most of the cyclopean structures that we have in modern day that we've found, should I say, around the Ural Mountains, um, and the um, the large structures near the Denisova Caves, those we can look at, we can't carbon date stone, we can find artifacts around them, but how do we know that those artifacts weren't put there by somebody later on down the road, you know? How do we know those structures weren't not being used for a hundred years and some people settled there for a little while, started a couple fires, hunted a few animals, and then went on down the road. Yeah. Now we see bones from 10,000 years ago outside. We can't just assume that those were from the original people that built it, right? And this is the part that bothers me. With the Mesopotamia theory, they have this ideation that if People in one area in the world were living as cavemen. People in other areas of the world could not be living in city. And I mean, we can look at culture to this day and tell that's not true, okay? No. Just because there were people living living primitively 
throwing spears at animals in this area doesn't mean that this area doesn't have people with domesticated horses, bows and arrows, you know, and, no, like, and we know this. Yeah, like look at China and look at the West like 2000 years ago, they were way ahead of us. You know, we were indeed still hunter gatherers and they already had, um, I'm, I'm not sure if, if this is entirely correct, but they were already, they already had gunpowder and all those things. You know, they were far ahead of us, but... We know that in Egypt, or in between Egypt and Iraq, there were found several, what they looked like to be primitive batteries. They were ceramic canister yeah, jars, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or rolled tin or copper, basically a, a rubber, makeshift rubber stoppers in the top of them, and they found um, citrus, citrus juice residues inside them. Now, what else would they be functioning as? You know, other than batteries, what, what, what are you, what are you going to do with that other than create an electrical current? You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, it may have shown magnetic properties also, and it may have fascinated somebody. But who's going to put that together? Just, you know, I mean, it, it was put together for a purpose. There were many of them found. Oh, for sure. Like you don't, you don't put something together that intricate uh, with that many metals and detail for shits and giggles like hey look what i made what's it for i don't know yeah right you know like if somebody puts together a wheel they know what it's for right yeah now we we've got a lot of uh we've got a lot of hunting to do with our archaeology today but we have a huge problem we're never going to know the whole story because the smithsonian has already destroyed huge swaths of information they they in north <laughs> In North America alone, my cousin is an archaeologist, and I've I've heard really horrid tales of what happens when they find something significant in a dig, and the Smithsonian takes over a dig mid mid job, and uh, let's just say nothing is published about it after that. But uh, my cousin is is one of the archaeologists, Bill Fortini, that has looked into these mounds now. He's told me he's seen skeletons that were over eight feet. He said he's seen three of them himself. They've unearthed them in mounds in Florida, right? He's seen multiple mounds in North America where they were similar and they knew there at one point was a skeleton in it, but somebody had already removed it. Mm, now, you can easily find tales of the Smithsonian archaeologist destroying whole cave paintings because it went against uh, their policy of which information is good and which information is counterproductive to their story. Yeah. Well, this this is what I found to be most loathsome. Um, look up who owns the Smithsonian. That one will bite you in the keister. Yeah, you you found a uh, connection. You, you told me about it. Uh, can't say I was surprised, though. The vice president of the United States of America, three senators, three house representatives, the chief justice, and nine citizen families. Now we know that the nine citizen families hold all the power with the Smithsonian. They're the true owners of it. But their counterparts in the government allow them to do things that most organizations wouldn't be able to get away with. Yeah. like destroying 
large pieces of history. <laughs> I mean, if you, got, <laughs> if you got close ties to the government, you can pretty much get away with anything and they'll just be like, well, oh, no, no, we didn't see anything. We didn't hear anything. No, nothing happens. Why? Yep. Now, here's the thing that I don't understand. This is the part that bugs me more than anything. Even the Christian texts have stories of giants. Yeah. So if we found a couple, wouldn't that be proof? Wouldn't that gain credibility to their theories too? I their mean, religions? Doesn't America, North America specifically, like pride themselves on being like such a, a Christian nation and whatever? And it's it's one of the most well-known passages from the Bible. Like you you don't even have to know the Bible. Like I, my family. Um, a lot of them are Roman Catholic, so I got I got some of it. Um, but just there were giants in those days, and so that's that's how it started. I I don't know the whole quote, but that's that's one that's literally one of the first quotes that anybody oh. will bring up when you're talking about the Bible. You know, I've been talking to my um, my personal trainer about it he is he is a christian a good guy um you know he's talking about you know david david and goliath and, um, the philistines you know they the philistines yeah. were a race of giants yes and now they they had a king king og now here's another thing in many of the flood stories even in noah's story in some of the older books they tell that noah saved king og he was the only giant he saved because King Og was born with the compassion of man, not the brutality of his forebearers. He wasn't a cannibal. He wasn't a cannibal. Now, even in Native American culture, a lot of the giants that they had in their culture, there were a very few helpful ones, but the giants that were still roaming the hills of North America were known as the thigh eaters because they would pick a man up by his lower legs and bite him off up to the thighs. Um, they were brutally large, had two rows of teeth up 12 to 15 feet tall and capable of having a jaw that's capable of taking a man off at the shoulders easily enough. Now- I mean, with that size and two rows of teeth, yeah, I can, I can imagine you have some biting force. Uh, now, a thigh eater, you know, maybe biting a man off at the thighs was a bit of an exaggeration but it, at the width of that skull it could easily bite a man's head clean off down to the shoulders mm. now there are tales in um let me let me find my other page here i have there's a couple native american tribes that have horrendous stories of an indian coming in and warning them that the giants were heading towards their village. Now, the elders in the village all knew what this meant. Um, I don't believe I brought that page with me. Anyways, but I, I know the story well enough. Okay. Um, the village elders, this is in a, a couple books that I'll, you know, I'll try to find later and I'll put in the comments of this podcast if I can. Sure. Um, these giants plagued them. There was two of them in particular. Now, one of them came and stole a couple of women. They chased the giant down, they ruptured him, they got the women out, 
they were barely alive, but still alive and covered in his entrails and whatnot. Mm. Now, somehow he ate these women whole, which I don't understand that part of the story, but this is folklore. So we're dealing with watered down versions of it. You know, it's told okay. from one person to another. Sure. Let's say this guy grabbed, they were also known to carry baskets on their back that was big enough to put a man in, a wicker basket that they could mm. throw a man in and basically have a man for later to eat. Now, a couple tales, they have these baskets or a large uh, deer skin sack or moose skin sack that okay. they would do the same thing with. They'd throw a man in and carry him away. Well, Stack for later. this particular, yeah. yes, yes. One for now, one for later kind of thing, you know, Kit Kats. <laughs> uh, right, right. They, uh, this giant comes, he takes two women, he escapes. They find him, they get the women back there's still another giant roaming and they've chased him into a cave. Now, this is in the Lovelock Caves in Nevada. If anybody wants to look this story up, it's very easy to find, right? This giant makes it back to the Lovelock Caves. It's a high point. He had to cross a little reed pond to get there. It's kind of marshy. So he was hoping he would get to this island where this, you know, cave was before they found where he was at, but they were had they had trackers that were very good. They were, you know, Native Americans were good at what they did. Yeah. So they tracked this guy all the way up until the cave system. Now they trapped him in the cave and they know there's no exit to this cave or they think there isn't because, well, it's surrounded by a reed bed and water. So if he goes into the ground far enough and deep enough into the cave, he's gonna drown. So they know yeah. what they have to do. They're gonna start a fire in the cave. So they warn him first. They ask him, please agree not to eat our members anymore and we will let you live. You know, we know you've been here far longer than us. We respect that. You know, there's things we believe we could learn from you if we could live together. Just please agree not to eat our people. Now these things had booming voices and they spoke in their language because they communicated with several of the Indians. Now at this point, they're hearing nothing from the cave. So they're assuming maybe he's traveled down into the cave and he's just trying to avoid them. They send some scouts in a little ways and they yell the same message out. They hear no return. So they come back. They said, you know, we've got no agreement. We don't know what to do. You know, we don't want to kill them, but what do we do if we walk away? They're just going to pick us off again. Yeah. So they lit fire at the mouth of the cave. Now the fire burned for a couple days. They were stacking reeds up from the lake, burning their canoes. I mean, they were shoving stuff into this fire. They were sucking all the oxygen out of this cave. They knew what they had to do. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look up the Lovelock Caves, you'll find a couple artifacts that are mind bending, right? Like a spear shaft that's the width of a small pine tree and a leather moccasin sandal. Yeah, a leather moccasin sandal that currently is about 15 to 18 inches long if it's stretched out but we know leather shrinks over time yeah so about this story supposedly happened about six to seven hundred years ago according to the storytellers of the village it was several generations but they they start their time and stuff very well they have storytellers in every native american culture that basically that is the one their job in the tribe is to keep the stories yeah so they they have good documents of timing now they know that around we'll call it 600 so years this happens they find the sandal now 
the story of the Lovelock Cave is actually told to a couple different Indian tribes. So we know 600 years ago, there were still giants in North America, right? We found that's, footprints. We that's found shoes. Yes, yes. And this was very recent, you know, 600 yeah. years ago, it wasn't at all. Um, Abraham Lincoln, our very first, our very first honest president, should I say, <laughs> came out and made a couple statements in public that nearly got him in trouble. And uh, yeah, well, they may have gotten him in the ultimate trouble in the end because they still don't know what the inspiration was for his assassination. Well, There's a lot of speculative stories, it, but they don't know. May have been added to the list of things. Um, right. I, I heard something about that that he made, uh, that he made statements about that, which really surprises me because nowadays to well, get any ruler of a country, be it a president or a king or whatever, to be honest, right. is a feat in of itself. You know that that no. just it doesn't happen anymore. He did this in a public meeting at Congress. So there were press agents, there were citizens, there were Congress, speakers of the House, everybody was there. And his speech started out about Niagara Falls. And yeah, that was it. it was about gazing upon the falls of Niagara like the giants that once roamed North America whose skeletons have been found in the mounds all over this lovely place. Now, I don't think a truer thing has ever been said by one of our presidents. We do know those mounds existed. Um, there are thousands. Stein, when I tell you, I've, I've, <laughs> I've done so much digging, man. Microfish files of thousands of articles where people are developing a small neighborhood and just some guy finds a mound in his backyard, knocks it down to put his septic tank in, mm. and finds a nine-foot skeleton, right? I mean, it's it's absurd how many of them there are, but they all have the one thing in common. The Smithsonian came in, purchased the skeleton, and nobody ever talks about him ever again. Yeah, so no, well, it's, it's for it's for scientific purposes, you know. We'll we'll do research and display it in our museum, and oh, we misplaced it. How unfortunate! The, the, you know, the terrible thing is, I wouldn't mind if they were doing some type of DNA research to you know look at things like that. If oh. they were open about it, and if they didn't plan on weaponizing every damn thing they did, that's my problem with it. Because <laughs> if they don't find a functional weaponization for it. They don't think it has a use, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's unfortunately one of the first thing that um, us us humans, us man, will uh, will do. We'll find something new, and then figure out how we can weaponize it. It's just it's, it's, like, it's wh why is that our our first instinct? Why is that like, oh, this is cool? How can we kill people with it? Like, dude, no, just. <laughs> right, right. No, you cook food with it, man. You don't push people into the fire. You cook food with it, right? Like, I mean, our, yeah, that's mind-bending. But now the problem is we have a billion-dollar organization that's spearheading it. So that's literally like being thrown by the American government or, or 
at least guided by, you know, mm -hmm. and, and allowed to get away with these things. Now, the most maddening part of it is we know what happened. There's records of it. Yeah. Let's declassify it. It's time, you know? It's not gonna hurt anybody's feelings nowadays. We've had enough talk of aliens and supernatural things that humans have been desensitized to it over the last couple decades, you know? If somebody told you that vampires were real right now, would you be surprised? With everything that has happened in the last two, three years? Nah. All right, I, I would not either. <laughs> now, I find that a lot of humanity is the same way. We've seen it on TV so much, we've been desensitized to it all. And then you think about it, Hollywood is tied to BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street yeah. and all of these big organizations that are tied to the Smithsonian's nine founding families that are tied to, you know, it, it goes all the way back. It's the same elite people that built the Georgia Guidestones that believe in eugenics that are cleaning out the annals of our history also. Yeah, but isn't, isn't that like uh, on the, the topic of, of Hollywood, isn't that why they um, they put things like that in uh, in pop culture so that, you know, when people find it or discover it or whatever, it's just like, ah, uh, you've been watching too much TV. You know, you're yes, just well. you're you're imagining things. No, those are those are fairy tales. What happens is it starts in pop culture. It starts with urban legends, folk tales, movies, books, etc. Yeah. Right? Then it moves on to people talking about it and them going, no, that's a conspiracy theory. And then like 11 days later, they're like, hey, guess what we just found? You know, so that's, it's that that happens happens a lot lately. Uh, you know, I've even seen articles that, um, you know, conspiracy theorists They keep proving to be right, and it's a very dangerous thing. I mean, yeah, it is for the established order, for sure. But you know, like yeah, like I said, you know, last last two three years, it was one big. I told you so. Enjoy listening to podcasts, and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated, and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast? easily well now there is introducing podcasting made easy from podcasting audio my production team will handle your entire audio production allowing you to be the star of your show this is podcasting made easy how easy well so easy you don't even have to press record now that's easy your listeners are waiting let's deliver sign up for a free strategy call today podcasticaudio.com slash easy right and now we're still sweeping up that i told you so mess and we, i think we will be for years but yeah. just like with the um with the uh stealth fighter our united states government is developing this triangular uh stealth fighter aircraft people are seeing this triangular thing fly over and they're like yep not us yep not us oh we better look into that oh that's probably a ufo Oh uh, yeah, we looked into it. It was just a weather balloon. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, they go, oh, hey, yeah, we were developing the stealth fighter that whole time. And, you know, that's what you guys were seeing. Yeah. So what are they developing yeah. now that we won't see for another 10 years? Or what did they develop 10 years ago that we are seeing now? You know, th yeah. this, 
but it all starts with it. Can they weaponize it? You know, and the, that's the thing I can't pin down about the giant skeletons with that many tales of them, with that many pictures of them, that many newspaper articles, eyewitnesses still finding them to this day. In Folklore, fairy tales, you know, in, in like about every kid's story, you know, they're one of the most popular prominent uh, figures. Yeah. Prominent figures in story. They're, they're one they're, of the most prominent things in storytelling through human history. Yeah, would you know, we'd be that upset if they really existed. I mean, in the most significant stories, even you know, in the ancient days, you know, the the Odyssey, we have we have the Cyclops, we have um, the the Titans in um, in Greek mythology, now, we have the 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 Jotun in Norse mythology. There are so, and that's that's just looking at the old gods and their nemeses and whatever, and you know, even further back, you know. So why now? Why is it still so there are controversial? There are footprints of titans. There are footprints of titans in stone. Have you seen them? I believe there are I, some in I South believe America, some in the Ural Mountains. You put a man standing next to it. Now it is the most impressively perfect footprint in a piece of granite, but the foot is every bit of eight feet from toe to heel, maybe larger. Now, eight feet foot. Yes. Jeez. Now there are four of them throughout Earth that have been found in different places, and they were all made in what it was stone, like granite and slate i mean these are these are things that don't get soft with heat you know what i mean no. these are things that would have to be like thousands and thousands of degrees to be in a liquid state if anything's foot touched it it would immediately just re-gelatinize you know back to a rounded surface yeah it's now the ones that i found I, oh we'll have to get into this in another video <laughs> <laughs> The Titans were the gods before the gods, and we know that from many stories. The Jotuns were the gods before the gods, the giants, yeah. um, and the Titans in the Greek mythology. But the Titans were here. The Titans were real. The King Og was 23 feet tall. By several standards of telling, King Og was 23 feet tall. Goliath was 10 foot. He was an, an, what we would classify as a normal giant. <laughs> a normal giant, okay. Now, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, we, we have people almost achieving 10 feet to this day with, you know, different glandular disorders and things yeah, like that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, we, we have we have a, a Dutchman, um, uh, Oliver, the, the Dutch giant, I believe he is like seven feet, seven feet something tall. I, and he's like, he's a regular, regular Dutchie, like no... Um, yeah. No illness, no no gland no, things. No genetic just, disorder. Yeah, no, no genetic disorder that brought his height. It just was just really freakishly tall. Lineage. Yes. I mean, it was, it was in his lineage. I've met people myself. Um, well, way back in the day, I think I was in my I was in my early twenties. Um, Finney was like a, a cyber goth, really really skinny, but um, he was. I don't know how much that is in, in feet or inches, but uh, two meters twenty, and with his boots on, he was 
two and a half meters. You know, so little tall, seven foot. I'll yeah, tall, yeah. tall people. Yeah, like with 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 his boots on. You know, those those big ass cyber goth boots. Um, he was like yeah. eight eight foot, eight foot four, whatever. Uh, so you know, they, they do still exist. You know, those freakishly tall people. They do still exist, even now, um, without medical but, issues. Yes. Now there are. There are tales in North America right about the time of our Civil War and, and the Colonial Wars, um, and even later on into when America, after America's founding, um, there was a war. I believe it was called the Battle of the Nine Sorrows, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. There was a gentleman from New England. His his family had been there for about two or three generations, and uh, he agreed to fight in the war. Now he unfortunately died in the war, but um, his remains were brought back. Now, there were tales told of how massive this guy was and how many people he actually took down on the battlefield. Now, his his dimensions were allegedly around eight and a half feet. So eight Jeez. foot, six inches. But the really peculiar thing is he's got living descendants to this day that still have the double rows of teeth. Oh. And they've, um, I found his name in other articles, but this was in older research. I'll try to dig it up and give it to you. You can look at this one yourself one day later on. Oh, for sure. Um, his family, even generations later, there were newspaper articles about their great grandfather who was eight and a half feet tall and fought in the Battle of the Nine Sorrows or Seven Sorrows or whatever. I can't remember the name of the battle. But uh, he also had another odd feature. He had an extra digit on his hands. He had six fingers. Yeah, you'll, you'll hear that a lot too, um, a lot in um, when talking about the uh, the Nephilim, for example, they are supposed to have uh, six digits on each hand and uh, and their feet, I believe. Uh, now they were they were considered giants too, or descendant from giants. Yes, or... the, now, the Nephilim were uh, sons of the Watchers. The Watchers were the Titans and the nephilim oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. were the hybrid so the the watered down lineage if you will the um yeah okay it is explained as the sons of uh the sons of jupiter and the daughters of gaia in roman mythology or is it greek in greek mythology jupiter uh, the, um no, that's uh, that's Roman. I mean, Roman, Greek, they're the the, the pantheons. Yeah, are really, they're interchangeable. They're really similar. I mean, the, the Romans, they yeah. took so much. It's just like, these are our gods now, too. <laughs> awesome. Yes, Thanks. yeah. We're just going to give them different names. Don't, don't, don't mind yeah, the names. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, go ahead and call this one Goose. <laughs> the Romans, they had up to 2,000 gods. They had a god for everything, so. Well, they, they worshipped their demigods also which was an odd thing to do in many cultures. I mean, you you praise the heroes, but you don't worship them, you know? Um, we, 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 our demigods are a bit different in our old culture because they are also gods. They are not just heroes. The heroes yeah. would have been our gods' children. So even our gods would be, well, the equivalent to their gods, and then the Jotun would be the Titans. Yeah. So... In, in many cultures, you have similar tales of the same structure. Now, the Titans were giants. I mean, even to the gods, the Titans were giants. 
uh, even to the Norse gods, the Jotuns were giants. Yeah. You know, and Thor was a giant man. You know what I mean? So what, what does a giant look up and see as a giant? You know? So we found these, <laughs> these right, you know, we find it's, it's, it's like Inception, man. It's a dream within a dream. Yeah, um, no, yeah, find, exactly. Right? Like, how? what does a giant look up to as a giant? But we see these footprints everywhere. And in in four cases, they are so definite. And, and you have to look at that and say, okay, well, something had that foot. And it clearly wasn't an Apatosaurus. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't have a Tyrannosaurus Rex walking around with six human digits, you know? But we have we have tales of it that Stein is like in North America, 600 years ago with the Native Americans, the colonial war days, and uh, in even in the wars in New England, after yeah. the country was settled, we have we have tales of these peoples and their lineage. So, yeah. I mean, the, we the, we have them we have them here in the Netherlands too. Made me think of um, I, I can think of his name uh, right now, but I um, a, a while ago I shared that in the in the tribe the uh, the Frisian pirate who had a uh, a two handed oh, sword, yeah. which like his sword alone was seven feet. He was um, I believe just yeah. one one swing of his sword, and he chopped three men in was half. Was that uh, Groot Pier? Yeah, yeah. Was that a different? Yeah. Okay. That was that Groot was, Pier was the Frisian. Yeah, oh. he was he was like a Frisian pirate, uh, I believe, and um, I mean, yeah, he he is said to be, you know, tall as well. I mean, you got to be if you're wielding a seven foot two hander, but. You know, even if you're seven foot tall yourself, to wield a, a seven foot two-handed sword, it's it's a challenge. Like you you gotta be even yes. bigger than that. Yeah. So I'm I'm an inch under six foot, and for me to wield a six foot sword, I would find to be absurd. You know, yeah, that's that's a lot of momentum and an awkward thing to swing around. You know what I, I mean? That wouldn't be very especially especially it would on, be very uh, frightening to see. You know, oh, sure. You know, I I run. Yeah, how, how well would you be able to wield such a weapon? And and that's the other thing. Now they have found in the Lovelock Cave, uh, or in caves around the Lovelock Cave, should I say, they found these um, hammerheads that were like carved hammerheads, mm -hmm. stone, but they weighed like 30, 40 pounds. Now. I'm kind of a big guy. Mm -hmm. I just swing a sledgehammer for work. eight to ten pounds, maybe a twelve pounder. You know, in demolition, that's, I that's, swung a fifteen pound hammer. That's already heavy shit, man. You know, that's... but a forty pound hammer. You know, what in the hell is going to be swinging that? You, you'll swing right? that once and throw your back out. Right now, there are more speculative stories that we have that are even more recent. Uh, the giant of Kandahar. Have you heard that one? Yeah, I believe so. Wasn't that the uh, the U.S. Marine or something that um, who found yes. a a big red hair haired bearded giant somewhere in in More Iraq? One, it was a CIA asset being transported by a group of Marines, and of they had a rendezvous asset. point. Yeah. yeah. They, they had a rendezvous point in the Kandahar Mountains. They were supposed to get in touch with somebody 
that had been keeping tabs on some of the Islamic extremists that were up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. So, but they noticed something about those Islamic extremists. In the Kandahar Mountains, they didn't go inside the caves. Even the cave living people did not go in the caves in the Kandahar Mountains. Now, they had to pass the mouth of several of these caves were many feet off the ground. And they said that you got the sense that you were being watched when you passed by them. Yeah. And now you get to where these guys get up to a cave that they have to press pretty close to. And the cave mouth itself is about 25 feet tall. They hear a couple of noises. They get a little suspicious. It's when they look down on the ground and they see the two-way radios destroyed on the ground. Pieces of fatigues, odd debris, things that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Looks like a group of people was attacked there, you know? Mm-hmm. And as they're standing there looking at it, wondering, should we report this stuff? Do we call it in? Do we pick up the radios and keep them to see whose radios they were, whatever? Mm-hmm. They're uh, standing there and one of the soldiers standing outside the cave they hear this sound and at the same time they look up and he catches what they describe as about a seven inch wide spear through his chest, right? Now the shaft on this thing is seven inches, bro. Yikes. It penetrated the front of his chest and obliterated his spine and rib cage coming out. Oh, dude, you're, you're not coming back from that. Now, the story goes on that these guys get in a firefight with this thing Mm -hmm. and they hit it several times in the body and eventually after about 30, 40 rounds to the head, it goes down. Now, before it went down, it picked up another fella and bit him slap in half. Now, they've got one guy with a exploded rib cage another fella with a spear through his chest another fella that's literally torn in two pieces and this giant thing and it they described it as this giant pale skinned with wild red hair yeah but it had six fingers and two rows of teeth now i don't know how far into the conspiracy pool you want to dip but i'm just saying that number comes up an awful lot. Six fingers, two rows of teeth. Yeah. You know, at a you certain have to point, begin to wonder. Yeah, no, at a certain point, it's it's not coincidence anymore. You know, once, okay, sure. Twice, yeah, that can happen. But three times, four times, all over the world. Thousands even. of tails, you know. Yeah, no, that's just, now, oh no, co- that's, that's just a mere coincidence. Thousands of tails all over the world. I don't think so, man. I don't think so. Something's up. And I I totally agree. But now you look at how recently we had them in our history, all right? Or we have evidence of them at the very least. Spoken tales, newspaper articles of their remains. They were here very, very, very recently as far as history goes, you know? Yeah. Um, recently enough that the Native American tribes have seen them, right? Now, there has to be some credibility to this story when so many people speak it you follow this back and they tell stories um in in the native americans there's a group of indians that uh, primarily resided along the east coast of america 
They were different from many of the other Indian tribes because they were monotheistic. Many of the other Indian tribes had uh, several gods. Yeah. But a lot of the Indians along the East Coast were monotheistic. They believed mm. in one god. That's... And the really funny coincidence is the monotheistic Indians also have a tale that with their storytellers goes back to around a ballpark and, and their storytellers have a lot of lineage that they've dug through to get this number yeah. about 500 years bc right now around 500 years bc they have a tale of an indian named noah but his name is noa he was told to build the biggest canoe because there was going to be a flood that's he built familiar. the biggest canoe yeah <laughs> yeah right he took and built the biggest canoe, he saved his family, and he saved one giant. Now, this tale is told through several of their... Now, the, the Native American tribes were broken up into many different groups, but there were tribes that all spoke the same languages and had the same religions, Yeah. but they would live in different areas, and they would have different subsects within the tribe. Yeah. So now, basic tribalism. Most of those subsects all told yeah. the same story. Okay. Yes. Now, you can follow those stories down into South America, and they jive with the stories from the Yucatan, with the stories from you know all over about somebody coming here in a flood. The, there was a giant that came in the flood. The giant you know, spread out, taught people how to do this, how to do that, because he carried ancient knowledge. Now, how can we get information back from the Smithsonian? We, we can't. So what we have to do is lean on the accidental information, the stuff yeah. that slips through the cracks, the newspaper articles that made it out before the Smithsonian got it. You know, yeah. the little finger bones that we have here still, or the, the single tooth, the finger bone in the, the carved jewelry from the Denisova caves, which let me get into that one, right? Now, we can radiocarbon date the stuff from the Denisova caves to about 40,000 years ago, between yeah, 25 and 40 for the, the artifacts, yeah, but about 40,000. Denisova cave is. Yeah, Denisova Cave is quite the quite the hot spot for um, human remains and our um, our ancestors and back down the the evolutionary uh, lineage. Right now, I I started digging in on the European continent and in 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 that area, the oldest civilizations I could find were around the Ural Mountains areas, Armenia. Um, there are several that all date back to about the same time. It contradicts the Mesopotamia theory, but about 10,000 BC. They're finding these Cyclopean-style structures. Now, yeah. you have to wonder if everybody in the world at one point in time, it, approximately 10,000 years ago, is saying the same thing, doing the same thing, believing the same thing. Were they all crazy too? Or is the Smithsonian and their counterparts that wrote the records for our history classes in school, the Rockefeller Group? Yeah, by the way, did you know that um, there's a hun? Can you do me a favor, please? Bring me some cigarettes. 
pan. Do you want some water? Yes, thank you. <laughs> the Rockefeller Group is a group that goes back about to the founding of the Smithsonian, and they have a couple things in common with them. The Smithsonian told the Rockefeller Group what to put in the history books. The history books were written by the Rockefeller Group for all of our schools. So we learned what the Smithsonian wanted us to learn. And basically that's what all of this boils down to is we can't dig any further because they've hidden it all. There's the few places that they haven't been, that we still haven't been, that we can hope for that little pieces of information to pop up, those little accidental findings. Yeah. But in in the Pacific Ocean, around the coast of India, in the around the Yucatan Peninsula, in the Gulf of Mexico, that's where all of the oldest cultures are going to be, because that's where we were before the flood of the the Younger Dryas era. So we just have to keep our eyes out and and watch for new information to come out about uh the languages, the carvings, and whatnot. But I mean, we're basically in, in a in a roadblock, you know, as far as our own history because we've destroyed it. Yeah, no, but when it, when it comes to that, like the the internet, um, I mean, it, it's uh, it was originally founded as um, as a military thing, I believe, and it's it was supposed to be controlled, and they're still trying to. Uh, to control it very heavily, but uh, it's also our greatest gift because you can put anything on the internet. Sarah, you, can, you. you can put the full truth on the internet and people will find it. I mean, it's another one of the reasons that I'm but I'm doing these uh, these podcasts. The problem, first of all, because you know people just the, have the very problem is though is is we need you know yeah. the problem is weeding through it because in, in order to find those nuggets of truth man i had to dig for <laughs> hundreds of hours i'm I, yeah. i've i've probably got 140 hours of research in the last couple weeks into these topics and you know it, it's all boiled down to it all comes back down to the same point where the smithsonian has destroyed our freaking history you know, yeah, that's that's the now, other side of the internet. You have areas you can... that are popping up. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. They can manipulate it that way. Now we do have. Are we? I'm, I'm breaking up a little bit, so I know we have a it's, delay. Um, it's fine. The uh, the the cool thing is though, there are still little finds being made recently, like the Long Yu caves in China. Right? It's spelled out just like the word Long and the word Yu. Put them together, mm-hmm. and there are a set of caves in China. This farmer, uh, about eight to ten years ago, was um, walking around on his farm and noticed this extra large catfish in the pond and decided he was going to drain it because this old stagnant pond out back his property might, you know, have something interesting in it. So mm-hmm. he starts draining this little pond and he gets the water level down about 15, 20 feet and he sees a little set of stairs going down. He's like, the hell he, he, you know keeps draining keeps draining keeps draining these stairs go down into a huge cave system that they've found in this area to stretch for like hundreds of miles with they've now found multiple different openings and uh 
these caves have been flooded for over 10,000 years. Huh? Now, you look, Stein, you look inside these caves, man, there's horses carved on the wall 25 feet. You know what I mean? They have cathedral ceilings in them that are 80 feet tall. I mean, these caves were carved out for a large amount of people to occupy, right? Now, you find a couple little caves throughout the world that we can tell people occupied for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. But this cave system, they're still draining the water out of it to this day because they're, they're having problems keeping all the water drained out of the areas that they've gotten it out of. Yeah. But they have managed to keep a large portion of it open and you were able to go in there as you know the public now and see it. But just look at the videos online of the Longview Caves and they're so impressive to see the workmanship, the dragons carved in these columns that are 80 feet tall. Like, uh, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Like, it the sounds more like sounds more like an underground city, if anything. Essentially, these caves connected and it was one giant city. The Longview Cave system is a huge area. Now, if you look at the space that it holds, they said it could easily inhabit 75,000 people. That's just in the portion that they were able to train off. How deep do they actually go? Jeez. Oh. And if they've been flooded for 10,000 years since the Younger Dryas, then they might be deep because they got flooded. The sea level rose 400 feet. We had rain and rain and rain for months at a time sometimes. Yeah. So these little mountain valleys literally filled up. Some of them stayed that way for 10,000 years until we just recently excavated them. The great thing about China, the Smithsonian can't get in there and fuck shit up. Pardon my friend. <laughs> no, I mean, Ch China does that well enough on their own, but because they're so so very nationalistic, they, uh, they tend to preserve all of that. They take pride. They take pride in that culture and the preservation. And if they were yeah. able to say, we have some of the oldest ruins, they would definitely hold that. Oh, dude, the, the CCP, you know? they would jump on that. Right. We were the cradle of civilization. Now, in this, I have also found one other story and, and one other truth. I do believe that there was not one cradle of civilization that all humans did not come out of one area in Central Africa X amount of years ago. I believe no. that we came from different areas. That I believe that there were different tribes of people in different areas on Earth. We were placed here many, many years ago. You know, you can look at our lineage and our mitochondrial DNA. Many of the races don't go back to ancient Africa. You know, look at several of the Europeans, the people from the Ural Mountains. They have a unique DNA that does not match anything yeah, that came the, out of the um, out of africa theory yeah or the mitochondrial the, dna or the basque for example um close to uh close yes. to spain the, um yeah that's the that's Gaelic dna yeah no that's that's really interesting because uh if indeed um atlantis was um where where you say it is then the um the west to east theory would make a lot of sense. Um, west to east, north, north to south, basically like the, the reverse of what we've what we've been told. We believe for several years. Yes. Yeah. Now well, that that would make. You can a whole even lot get into an older theory. Um, 
I put it in the drawer. Yeah. 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 All right. But yes, there's a, there's a, uh, sorry about that. There is a story that goes back that predates Atlantis even, or some of the pre-Atlantean stories of an island in the Pacific Ocean that, that the oldest Indian cultures got their people from. And this island was, had, it had a couple different names, Mu, Lemuria, or wow. Pacifica. Now, drain the sea level a significant amount and look at the Pacific Islands, and they would have been a giant continent, man. They would have been bigger than Australia. You know, almost 5,000, take the sea level down about 900 feet, and you now have a continent that is quite literally almost 5,000 miles long, 3,000 miles tall. Yeah, now, and that, that would also be an uh, explanation for... Um... The roadways uh, I, coming off of Bora Bora? <laughs> for example, yeah, and uh, different um, simian types, different kind of monkeys that are found on Madagascar and India. But like, they're so, th those two countries, they're so far apart from each other. And trust me, those monkeys ain't swimming thousands of, mi thousands of miles. So there, there had to be something, some kind of land bridge that connected the two continents. You know, two of those giant footprints that I was telling you about, the Titan footprints, mm -hmm. are in the, some of the Pacific Islands. I believe one of them is in Java or Fiji, and the other one is, I may be mistaken, but I believe it's on one of the Hawaiian islands. Um, but those footprints tell us the Titans were here at one point, man, you know? And if the giants came from somewhere, why not the Titan theory? And it, did the Titans exist in Lemuria? You know, is this giant city beneath the Pacific Ocean our final key in the history? Yeah. And if so, how yeah. much of it will we be allowed to know about, you know? Well, as much as we can dig up ourselves, man, because, you know, yeah. you, you, yeah. Don't trust the, uh, you don't trust the officials, you don't trust the, uh, the government-funded projects and museums and whatever they they have their own agenda and it's not for our benefit yeah but that you know that's that's the one thing that bugged me more than anything else is what is the agenda of hiding the existence of giants keep us i mean what keep us rootless keep us it's it's yeah you know if you take away a man's history is it you, you take away a man's a man's roots you keep him questioning you keep him um yeah so yeah rootless basically and you know thousands of of questions you like everyone has questions of what am i doing here where did i come from you know all that shit. and if the government can hide the real truth like the they can tell you where you came from they can tell you what your purpose is it's it's i mean it's control man it's control I, I honestly believe that's what it is, but we've got to find a way to bridge a gap between us and the gods, man. There's been a gap between us and, and our forebearers and our forefathers and our descendants 
in our ancestry for far too long, man. We've got to yeah. we've got to bridge that gap. We've got to close that void, man. I mean, we've got to get back to nature. We've got to eat organic. You know, we. I mean, there's several things that our ancestors did. So many variables that we have changed in not only our religious lives but in our lives as far as our diets in the way we structure our days and i mean we have changed so much are we capable of making that connection still some of us are you know some yeah, people obviously you know do have the connection still but for sure does all mankind have that key you know does, is it something we can open up with DMT or LSD? You know, is it something that we just need ritual for? This is what we need. You know, this is these these are the things we need to bring back to people. Yeah, I think it's going to take a um, a couple more generations before we are um, we're actually there. You know, I, like I I hope that our generation like will make some some big steps in the in the right direction and, and at least lay a very good foundation but uh with how the world is looking now i mean yeah it's, it's really splitting like you can see that like the people who found out the truth and are seeking the uh the old ways and seeking connection again with the old gods and the people like actually stuck in the system and defending the system you see the split more and more um so i do hope that you know our sides that that we can that we can make some major advantages although i don't know like i i have hope but do you know we're, we're making steps in the right direction. Elon Musk buying Twitter. I think just little bits of, oh. of truth coming back into society. Just I, little bits of truth that we can tell that they can't take away from us. You yeah. know? Oh, just the, the, the salt from that. It's it's terrific. Like the, the, the people going crazy the, over the, it. <laughs> I, I, I love it because their biggest gripe is we can't censor anymore. We've been censoring for so long and tapering the conversation in one direction, and we can't censor anymore. They're melting yeah. down, man. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not it's not easy. Truth wins, That's... brother. Truth wins. For sure. Keep for the sure. old gods in, alive, man. In, in the end, the truth will always find a way. Yeah, and I have, you know, I have one, uh, one question left. Um, concerning the, uh, the Mesopotamian uh, stories, uh, the Mesopotamian kings, you know, they were said to be giants as well, and they lived for many thousands of for years, you know. It's the thousands of years, some of them. Yeah, like reigned for 25, 2600 years. Like, is that from what you have found from, um, from your research? Is that a common thing that giants now, see I this long? is yes yes because the Native Americans even in the Lovelock caves they believed that the giants that they encountered had been here since the earth was created I mean that's that was their theory so they knew that these giants were ancient now the tribes had seen over generations of their families had witnessed the same giant so 
They knew this giant outlived their elders and their elders' grandparents told stories of the same giant. So we know they lived for hundred years. You know, in, in, their, in, in our storytelling histories of the Native American peoples, at least, we know they lived for hundreds of years, right? Now you look at the, Mes the Mesopotamian um, in the Book of Enoch, it even describes, you know, some of them living for, you know, thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that, in uh, you know, here's the thing about the Mesopotamian theory, Stein. I like the information that it carries from 5,000 years ago up until now. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be fairly accurate, you know? But I don't find it to be accurate that that's where everything started. I think that is just it, where the Sumerian Babylonian civilization started. Where where the, the Middle East kind of um, grew yes. out of. Uh, that, that would definitely make sense. I mean, yeah, sure, influences here and there, but as you said, you know, multiple multiple cradles, like even uh, from a genealogy uh, perspective, like Africans and Europeans, you know, just bone structure and uh, muscle structure and whatever, vastly different. And yes, like now, you don't, here's you don't go from a, a darker skin tone and a different bone structure, a different muscle structure to, you know, what us Europeans are now just through evolution, just because, you know, oh, there's less sunshine and a harder life and whatever. I mean, sure, it, it, Especially. Plays, it plays parts in how we are built, but it's, it's too well, different, man. We have skulls from Europeans, and this is how we can disprove that. You know, we have skulls from Europeans that are 100,000 years old in ice. We have skulls from Africans that are, you know, in, in the same, that are, let's say, 50 to 75,000 years old. We can tell that over that amount of time, they have the same brow structure and jaw structure they have now, and the Europeans have the same bone structure and jaw structure that we carry now. Yeah. So we know that over the 100,000 year span, not that much evolutionary change has happened, yet the entire civilization was born out of there 100,000 years ago. No, I, I, I can't I mean, buy it. it. I can't it, buy it. It's, it's, I mean, for sure it's, it's a cradle and yeah, those people, they spread. I mean, it's, it's what can we do, you know, always their story for, started there, always looking for greener pastures, you know, that the, the that's, you know, like I said, it's what we do. It's not, it's no difference. It was probably no different then. So yeah, the people from that cradle, sure they spread maybe into Arabia because um, if uh, like a lot of um, ancient humanoids or ancient humans, whatever, are found in, um, in Ethiopia, um and that's you know ethiopia arabia it's not that hard e even for ancient humans to you know to go there so sure it's spread but not arabia and then the mediterranean and then you know another group well, went Alaska, another yeah. group went into asia and there there's no there's i mean there were simply not enough people for that Exactly. Now, if, if that's the theory, too, then explain the bloodline of the Australian Aborigine. 
who don't share any mitochondrial DNA with the people out of Africa. You know, I mean, we, we know that we know that there are groups that don't share it, you know, and we are just with as much advance in science as we've had over the last several decades. We are just now finding the Denisovans, man. Yeah. And finding that their lineage is in us through these DNA databases, you know. So, I mean, we've still got a lot of searching to do. We do still have a lot of discovery. And I, I do have a feeling we'll find a couple key things in our near future using these DNA databases that'll pin a lot of facts together that they can't just swipe under the rug. So, I mean, that's a positive. You know, we, we do still have that to look forward to. But uh, yeah, we, I mean, we, we can keep the old gods alive in our stories, you know, and hope that we can preserve them in a way that they weren't able to be preserved in our past. Yeah, man, that's, uh, we, can, we can only try, we can, we can only hope, we can only try and, and look at, build on what we have. Look at Antarctica. We're we're just now looking at the lost cities on Antarctica. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. The Perry Reese map, the Perry Reese map, the Phineas map, the Mercator map, the Philip Box map. All of these maps were made by geographers around the 15 and 1600s, and they detailed Antarctica without ice. All right. Yeah. With cities on. Yeah, and and then All right. Antarctica, Australia, just. Um even like i've even heard stories with uh with with uh certain old maps that um that they indeed pictured uh like continents or, or countries or whatever that supposedly weren't even even discovered until hundreds of years later you know and and yeah. coastlines in in minor freaking detail like really detailed but just Basically, Look on Google Maps yourself. Look on Google Maps yourself at the coastlines of some of these areas, dude, and you find some fascinating things. That's all I'm going to say. I I found roadways in the Pacific leading out of Bora Bora, you know, and you can follow them. It, they're it, it literally when you zoom out on Google Maps, man, it looks like a set of roads. But with the Antarctica thing, here's another thing that gets me right. We start looking heavily into the Perry Reese map because the Perry Reese map popped back up in our history in the 1990s, right? Well, in the mid to late 2000s, uh, the, I think it was like 2012, maybe even, the Fitbit heat map was launched. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it was even more recent than that. They launched that Fitbit heat map. And what they didn't plan on was the government soldiers um, doing their rounds around their bases in Antarctica that nobody was supposed to know about popping mm -hmm. up on that heat map. Now, I, I, as soon as it happened, I was watching one of the videos as somebody was doing it live on YouTube at the time. And I knew that I had to report it. I knew that I had to report it because it wasn't going to be there long. Yeah. And sure as hell that video got deleted. But since then, other people have put up videos of the same map, but I'll, you know, that, that's another, that's another uh, podcast altogether. I know we'll wrap yeah. it up here pretty soon yeah. where you're at, but uh, the Antarctica thing, man, we'll go there on another day, but the U S government is there in Antarctica right now, covering up some of our history, you know, I why mean, would their bases be right on top of the cities of the Perry Reese map? I mean, if I'm Antarctica, just saying, if Antarctica is nothing but ice and, and cold and whatever, then why are so many governments interested in having a base there why did 
Um, Correct. And what, now, if, what, if, what if Hitler, for example, just sent a whole freaking team there? Why did the U.S. government, um, for that was for Hitler, research purposes, they sent like an entire fleet of, of just yeah, just like just like the Chinese whaling research vessels, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Research. You know, did it for research. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you. I mean, that's that's it, dude. They're down there exploring, and they didn't bring any geologists with them that we know of. They didn't bring any scientists with them that we know of that are that are researching these cities. Of course, they are. We know they are. We know they're there. We know their mm -hmm. bases are right on top where they're detailed on these maps because of that leaked Fitbit heat map. But when do we get that information? You know, do we wait a couple more years or do we fund the next? Do we, do we crowdsource an expedition to go to Antarctica ourselves? You know, fuck yeah, um, right? Sorry. Oh. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the cold. My wife so. just got <laughs> Well, sounds like we got two volunteers already. Uh, <laughs> no, but that's that's it's interesting stuff, man. It's. We can talk about this for ages and, and go to all down all those different rabbit holes connected to it. But that's that's going to be a five, six hour podcast. Like I'll, I'll be here like till, said, till the sun comes up again. We'll save that podcast for another day, brother. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been great. You man, you I'm, I'm you indeed did some stack of information on our you did something bro it's it's amazing like many things i haven't even uh, even heard of many information that was that was even new to me and i i thought that i like basically knew knew the base basic stuff but no nah, you you came with new things it's it's awesome i i only put a drop in the bucket stein i only put a drop <laughs> in the bucket like i said we could take this podcast over several episodes but uh oh. Yeah, no, it's it's getting late indeed. I uh, I should wrap up. Is there um, is there anything that you uh, that you want to plug? Anything that you want to promote? Like where where can we find you if you got any projects going on? Or uh, you know, currently I'm not doing anything other than chatting in the uh, tribe, but but uh, I do intend on putting a channel together again. Um, I, I used to do little historical snippet videos. I, I need to put another channel together, but uh, maybe we'll talk about you helping me set something like that up too. And uh, it was a pleasure to be on your podcast, brother. Yes, it was uh, it was a pleasure uh, hearing what you uh, what you put together. It's it's amazing stuff, man. And we uh, we got to do this. Uh, we got to do this again. This is for sure going to be a. Uh, a multiple part podcast yes sir i'd like to get raven in here too one day you know maybe get his input because uh i know he's he's into uh the more modern practices he's a little deeper into the modern practice than i am i'm a little deeper into the historical aspect of it uh, so a, I, a three, like three-way podcast with raven that yeah dude i'm i'm gonna have to take a day for that that's that's not gonna be like two hours three hours that's that's gonna be a day yeah and and you know i have to apologize on the late hour i had a trip to the airport today no, it's, or any it's, other day during the day brother it's fine like basically every 
podcast I did so far was night time for me. So, I mean, that's oh, that's yeah, that's, that's what you get when you yeah, that's what you get when you hang with Americans. Um, Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yes, so uh, well, I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for listening. This was Joshua. Um, you can find hell yeah. You can uh, you can find both of us in the uh, the tribe of the Greyhorn Pagans. Um, we're mostly on Telegram. We're mostly active on Telegram at t.me for slash greyhorn pagans um you can find me at t.me slash steinfox i am also on mines and several video platforms um but you can find that all in the link tree joshua brother thanks again and i'm gonna I am the stop same, the recording uh, here find and... me in the tribe well let me plug that real quick you can find me in the tribe child of ash 420 same name on mines same name on getter same name on uh twitter just recently got back on twitter so i always post weird little history facts if you want to keep up with them that's where they'll be child of ash 420 it's been a pleasure stein have a good one man yes thank you you too brother <laughs>